Portage Health Foundation is proud to introduce you to Do Good Volunteer of the Month, John Diebel. John was a champion for the new Hancock Dog Park. In addition to great fundraising, he was vital in planning, designing, coordinating contractors, and coordinating volunteers. He's also vital to the City of Hancock as a member of the Downtown Development Authority, Recreation Commission, and a strong leader with the Keweenaw Nordic Ski Club. If you know an incredible volunteer like John, go to dogoodcc.org and nominate them to be recognized as the next Do Good in the Copper Country Volunteer of the Month. Back for segment two of Copper Country Today on this Sunday morning, brought to you by the Portage Health Foundation. I'm Todd Van Dyke. Learn more about the Portage Health Foundation at phfgive.org. We, I think, take many things for granted in life, and one of those is movement. Most of us can walk with no problem, we use our hands with no problem, we talk, we see, we hear with no problem. That doesn't become top of mind for us unless we or somebody in our immediate lives suddenly can't do that, either because of uh, something that, uh, that came from birth or something that happened catastrophically as, uh, as, as they were living. All of a sudden, someone can't walk or someone can't use their hands or some combination thereof. And because we don't think about it, we don't think about the expense that goes with that. We don't think about the challenges that go with that in terms of fitting into society. So I have with me in the studio uh, Jen Shaud and Monica Aho from Equipment Loans of the Keweenaw. And John Valet joins us by phone this morning as well to talk about some of the mobility issues that we face in the Copper Country and things that are in place to help those who have these challenges lead more effective, more efficient lives, and uh, more joyful lives, uh, what we hope to do. So welcome to all of you. Thank you for coming in. Thanks for, Thanks having, for having us. Explain what Equipment Loans of the Keweenaw is. That's a really sterile title, i got to confess. <laughs> <laughs> it is. It is. Equipment Loans of the Keweenaw has been around for about 12 years. We started as Equipment Loans for Kids. We started as a durable medical equipment loaner closet uh, because we live so rurally, it's hard to get wheelchairs, gate trainers, those types of things um, for people with mobility issues. And so in response to that, we just took in loaner equipment and then loaned it to the next family. Do people understand how much that stuff costs? It is ridiculously expensive. The wheelchair I use costs $10,000. Yeah, yeah. My <laughs> my sister is an occupational therapist. Yes. She works at a large facility in mm -hmm. Chicago and actually tours internationally and uh, instructs on uh, wheelchair fitting. She's a consultant mm. on wheelchair fitting. So I know a little bit about this topic and what the conversations I've had with her about, first of all, how much this costs, Jen, and secondly, how hard it is sometimes to get it through either insurance companies mm -hmm. or, God forbid, Medicare. It takes a long time to get durable medical equipment. And then when it breaks down, it's hard to get it fixed because we live so rurally. And then if we're looking at adaptive sports equipment, insurance doesn't cover that at all. No, that so, doesn't, it's not mm -mm. considered essential. No, insurance companies will pay for something so that you can get around your house, not your yard, not to the grocery store, and certainly not to enjoy our beautiful area. And John Valet, you ran into the athletic thing not too long ago because, of course, your daughter, Maria, uh, became handicapped and really led an effort to try to get more adaptive sports involved in the high school level. That was a big challenge for her. Yeah, that was a huge challenge. Um, you know, first of all, um, this is something that happened to her 
um, sort of midlife and or late in her short life at that time. Um, so, um, if, if some of you may remember that um, she became ill in uh, October 2019, and um, you know, then was suddenly paralyzed and had always been an athlete, and she wanted to continue to be one, but. Um, the durable medical equipment is hard enough to find, but just imagine trying to find specialized sports equipment. It's impossible in our area, and um, even nationally, there just aren't that many people using it. So we had to learn about all that equipment and where to get it and then figure out some way to pay for it. And certainly her story was one, as we covered that and talked about it on the air over the past several years, was one that indicates that this subject has to be of interest to everybody because what happened to her can happen to anybody. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, she um, she fell ill with uh, unknown uh, virus that um, was probably what caused transverse myelitis, which paralyzed her from um, her chest down. And um, she was able to, through physical therapy and sports, uh, a lot to do with the sports and work with Monica, of course, um, able to recover use of her legs and she can walk around now, but she still needs a wheelchair to get around. And, um, and you know, none of us expected it. This wasn't something that um, she was born with and uh, a car crash didn't happen. It just one day she got up in the morning and then all of a sudden couldn't walk. So, um, yeah, it could happen to anybody, even no matter how healthy they are. She was the, the picture of health. And not only was it not something that she signed up for, but it wasn't something that you signed up for as a parent and that you signed up for as a family. This puts a tremendous strain on you as parents and your family. Oh, for sure. Um, you know, it's something obviously we really wanted to do is to be sure that she could continue to do all the activities that she wanted to do. And we wanted to, of course, do them with her. We had always, you know, skied and sailed and been outdoors with her. And so we wanted to continue doing that. But then you're faced with uh, a wheelchair that, you know, a racing wheelchair costs, you know, five to $10,000. And, you know, even people of good means can't afford that because insurance isn't going to cover it. And so you have to figure out where you're going to get that money. And so the uh, equipment loans of the Keweenaw was formed. This was formed a, a few years ago, Monica, as you said, mostly to work with the essential types of things. Exactly. That's how we started out. Um, and then when Maria came along and we found that she was wanting to continue on being an athlete and still and needed the equipment in order to do that, it, it made us realize that there was a hole in the equipment that we provided. Um, we could help kids access their educational environment or their homes, but not everything that the the UP has to offer as far as being outdoors and recreation and sports. So that's when we started expanding our inventory. We started uh, with a grant through the Portage Health Auxiliary to um, get a sit-ski for Maria so that she could go skiing with her family and continue on being a ski tiger and, and race. So that was our first grant request. And then we expanded into a roller. Um, and then it's just kind of grown from there because once Maria left, we realized, oh, this isn't just about one person. There's lots of people out there that don't have the opportunity. How many people are there in the copper country who deal with this and would like to be athletes and haven't had the opportunity? Do we have any idea? I don't think we have an exact number. We know there are statistics about the um, the portion of the population with disabilities, but it's hard to break it down by by type of disability. And 
we, so we don't have that information, but we do have eight people that regularly participate in adaptive sports in okay. sit skiing, in sled hockey, in racing, in just our small area. And I would suspect that there are others who may yet not yes. be aware that there are opportunities. Mm -hmm. Exactly, and that's part part of our goal is to expand the awareness that this is something that people can do. There's a sliding scale here. Some people lose a lot of function. Some people mm -hmm. use, uh, lose less function. Mm -hmm. They maintain some. Um, how do you work with equipment in terms of making sure that it fits the specific needs of the person that's going to be using it? Well, that's where it's nice that I'm a physical therapist because function is what I do for a living. And so uh, we take a, an assessment of what the person is able to do and then fit the equipment to it. We, we do a lot of modifications. We do a lot of padding. And the more equipment we get, the more we are able to let people try different types of equipment. So, and, and uh, John, as Maria came into this, what kind of help was she able to get in terms, first of all, of getting the equipment that she needed to get around in life, and then secondly, the equipment that she needed to continue as an athlete? Well, you know, we were really, really fortunate um, to, you know, have good insurance and uh, flexible work to be able to go down to the University of Michigan where we were, where she was starting out her therapy, you know, for two months we lived down there. And um, that's where she originally um, started trying out the equipment that she would need to be able to get around. Um, and then, um, but that process, again, as uh, Jen was saying, is very long. So she borrowed a wheelchair from the University of Michigan Seating Services for, I think it was almost uh, a year. It was a long time um, until she got her own wheelchair. In the meantime, she was working on um, you know, building up her strength and, and use of her uh, legs again with Monica and was able to um, walk around after a few months uh, and she could get around town that way. But getting access to the sporting goods was, um, it was just a mystery to us. We were very, very fortunate that Michigan Tech had some equipment in storage for many years that they got through a grant a long time ago. And also, again, very fortunate that we just happened to know the person um, who knew where that equipment was. So she was able to access the Sitsky frame um, really right as soon as we got back from the hospital and um, tried it out. And then from there, um, discovered that there are these grants and foundations that can get us access to this equipment. And the uh, Court of Auxiliary was, of course, was one of those. Yeah, let's talk about how some of this equipment has been purchased over the years, and we'll get to the most recent thing in, in a few minutes. But over the years, as you have collected wheelchairs mm -hmm. and things of that nature, where has this money come from? How have you been able to afford this stuff? We have several, we received several grants this year. One was from Portage Health Foundation, the Keweenaw Area Community Foundation. We have a grant from the Christopher Reeve Foundation to purchase track chairs, racing chairs. Yeah. So a lot of this money has been money that you have aggressively gone out and recruited and brought in yourselves. Absolutely. We've also had amazing sponsorships from our community. Uh, Who has stepped up? Can you give me a, a few names? Give, give sure. some folks some credit here. Northern Orthotic, uh, Orthotics, uh, the UP Architects. Uh, Air Care. Air Care. Border Grill. Border Grill is providing lunch for our track meet coming up. Uh, Superior National Bank gave us a huge mm -hmm. donation to help us purchase a racing chair for a kid in our community. And that's stuff that people don't hear about 
And uh, the reason I asked, I'd like to give them credit. They're doing this kind of thing in the background. We talk about supporting local businesses Mm -hmm. here in the community and the things that they do to give back. This is the kind of thing that you don't get if you buy something online. No. So please support our local businesses who step up and provide this kind of funding to fill these gaps. And it's a major, major gap because this is such expensive equipment. and, and, And the story about Maria waiting a year to get a wheelchair, that's not unusual, is it? It is not unusual. And once you get the wheelchair... Uh, it has to be appropriately fit. It has mm-hmm. to be professionally yep. fit. If you put the body in wrong, and particularly if there's limited feeling or no feeling, absolutely, all of a sudden you've got a you've got another problem. Absolutely, and that's a big thing. Not only the time it takes, but the the expertise on how to fit and to use the equipment. There are grant programs out there for individuals to get their own equipment. Uh, but the problem with those is that you have to show that you've used the equipment and that you are proficient in it before you can even apply for the grant. So it's kind of a catch-22. Yeah, it's a catch-22. You, if, right. you, if you don't know how to use it, you can't get it. If you can't get it, you can't learn how to use it. That's it, exactly right. Before we moved to the Copper Country, we lived in a, in a large city, and there was an, adaptive, an established adaptive sports program where Paralympians like um, Daniel Romanchuk would donate their old equipment so that if a kid wanted to try a sport, that equipment already existed. There were lots and lots of hand-me-downs. So if a kid was interested in track or interested in wheelchair basketball or tennis, that equipment was there. They could try it. And then after they've tried it and become somewhat proficient in it, they could apply for a grant for their own from the Challenge Athletes Foundation or the Kelly Bush Foundation. But you have to demonstrate that you have skills before you can get the equipment. And we've been really very fortunate that especially the Portage Health Foundation has really supported us. And we are so very thankful. Talking with Jen Schott and Monica Ajo and John Belay from Equipment Loans of the Keweenaw about, first of all, regular equipment mm-hmm. that needs to be made available to people with uh, physical challenges mm-hmm. here in the Copper Country. And then let's talk a little bit about this new grant that has come in from the Christopher Reeve Foundation, which is very generous and is really going to start opening up more opportunities for disabled athletes. So we received over $17,000 to purchase racing chairs. Now, I suppose we should qualify. That sounds like a lot, but given the cost of these things. Well, with some negotiation, we were able to get the cost down because we bought a bulk. Ah, it was a bulk right. deal, okay. um, which was which was great. And they delivered them so quickly. Um, Eagle sports right Um, so we were able to purchase five racing chairs and a racing frame with that money what is the racing frame so that's for athletes with coordination issues so it looks a lot like a standing bike but it supports an athlete in standing and then they can run with their feet Okay. Uh, mm-hmm. Would it look yes, something like wheels. a walker, I suppose? Uh, More like a standing tricycle. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Okay. Thank you for that. <laughs> yeah, if you can imagine the visual, but that's a legal way to race in adaptive sports. Okay. John, I know when Maria began to push for adding these types of events to Michigan High School Athletic Association things, um, she was successful in getting some of that done. But in many cases, I saw that she was the only one competing. How did that work? Well, um, so, of course, um, because we didn't have a category for adaptive athletes in Michigan, um, kids did not know that they could play. And, um, in fact, at the regional and state level, um, they did not have those opportunities um, to compete, even if they wanted to. 
So um, what she did was um, she decided that she wanted to continue to compete and be part of her team and then push through the effort to um, have some rules established first in our conference uh, and then statewide. Um, so what that allows is the adaptive athletes start with the uh, non-adaptive players, so the standing runners start right next to the uh, wheelchair racers, and um, you, you're you using the same track, so you just stay in your lane just like you would if you were running, um, and you participate with your team. If there are if there's more than one adaptive athlete, then you can have a heat just for the adaptive athletes, uh, which makes sense, of course, because it's more interesting for the athlete to race against their peers. So you, but you might end up with uh, male and female mixed in a heat, which is fine. That's what they did at the states last year, and um, that makes it much more interesting for the athletes and also for the spectators, of course. What kind of growth have we seen in high school athletics in this uh, in this category? So the MHSAA gave us a two-year pilot program, and this is the second year of that pilot program. So last year there were two adaptive athletes downstate and three up here in the UP. Um, And so in an effort to increase the awareness that it was even a possibility for athletes, we did a downstate clinic in March uh, with the University of Michigan and um, brought our racing chairs and our equipment down there to train uh, athletes and just so, two downstate that that, that was it that shocks me because yeah. i should think that there would be a, a a large group of young athletes down there who were saying oh my gosh sign me up well no one knew about it ah, so when okay. the category was passed uh there was no advertisement that it was actually a thing so of those five athletes that participated you know statewide most of them came through an awareness because of posts we did on social media. Um, so, so in order to improve awareness, we did this downstate clinic. So to my knowledge, that went from two athletes last year. Currently, we have at least seven athletes downstate competing so in track. progress, but Pro- slow progress. Slow progress. I, like I say, I have to believe that there would be dozens, maybe hundreds right. well, of athletes who would potentially fit into this category. It's hard to get the equipment in order to race. Well, so that's you, true. two years is not a lot of time to advertise and, and then get the money to purchase the equipment to get to the athletes. Okay, and point taken, if it is mm-hmm. going to take a, wee- a year or more to get the wheelchair, and it doesn't, you can't just snap your finger and make it happen. So you can race in a regular wheelchair, but it is not efficient, and it's not no, fast, I, I and can't it's not imagine. fun. Right. I, yeah, I, then the last point being perhaps the best, it's not fun. Right. It's not what it's built for. It is not. Uh, it's not what it's built for, and bottom line is, this has to be something that is at some level enjoyable for the athletes. I can tell you that winter is hard. It is really hard to be in a wheelchair to push through the slush and the snow and get from my car to a store or to the SDC or wherever. But I can get in a ski and I can push and I can slide and I can be outside. And there is so much joy for me in that. There's a freedom level perhaps Mm -hmm. that you don't experience in the regular chair because the regular chair takes work to push. Mm -hmm. 
it, it's something that, uh, and, and it has to be fitted correctly, mm-hmm. and it, you have to have a certain amount of strength uh, to make that work. So uh, it looks so easy for those of us who are not in one. And if you really want to learn what it's like, sit in one for a half a day and try to get around, and you'll discover that it's, it, it's no easy trick. We just finished up our ski season, and one of our athletes told us about how amazing it was that she raced, and she won medals, and she had never had that opportunity to compete before, but she skied in the Noki. She skied uh, in the Junior Bear Chase, and she skied in the Mayor Games. There's more than just a physical aspect Mm -hmm. to this. Absolutely. There's a mental aspect. There's an emotional aspect. And there's a community aspect. This year, we have a community of disabled athletes that do sports together it's like and support any other each team. other. Exactly. You know, it's like the Portage Lake Pioneers mm-hmm. or the Calumet Wolverines. You make friends, you make mm-hmm. relationships, uh, and, and that, I suspect, can be a bit of a challenge for those who have mobility mm-hmm. issues mm-hmm. because you don't get out and about as easily and as frequently mm-hmm. as other people might. So let's talk about an event that's coming up as we broadcast this on Sunday morning. It's coming up this coming Saturday. You're going to reach out and try to get some additional athletes involved here in Houghton. Yeah, the Upper Peninsula Invitational, which is sponsored by Equipment Loans of the Cuna and UP Health System Portage, will be happening at Houghton High School at 9 o'clock. We've invited athletes from elementary to adult to join us to um, be trained by the University of Michigan Adaptive Sports and Fitness Department. And we also have three Paralympians coming, which is super exciting. Um, Daniel Romanchuk and Susanna Scaroni are both gold medalists at Tokyo. Um, Susanna just won the Boston Marathon a few days ago. Daniel came in second in the Boston Marathon. These wow. are like mm-hmm. the best racers in that's, the world. Yeah, that's impressive. Which is super impressive. And they're coming here. Well, they will join us virtually because they'll just okay. be getting back from, from London, London. <laughs> from right. the London Marathon. So we've got jet lag going and yeah, yep. communications issues. Yep. But, but for them to take time exactly. to talk to us in our little corner of the world, that's exactly. very impressive it's on their super, part. It's super, super cool. And then Amy Day is a former parallel Olympian as well. She is um, an adaptive track coach with the Great Lakes Adaptive Sports Association, and she will be joining us in person up here as well. So we'll have three Paralympians um, to train these athletes on the sport and just expose them to the sport. And we have the equipment that the kids will need and Mm -hmm. the adults will need in order to participate in track, to try the sport. And then if they need the equipment and decide that they want to participate in middle school or high school sports, we have the equipment to loan them. Is this just for athletes young athletes who are physically challenged or can anybody come in and learn and try well so there's a clinic portion in the morning to learn to learn about the sport and how to incorporate an adaptive athlete onto a traditional track and field team so we're inviting coaches athletic directors parents community members to just kind of learn about the new uh, adaptive category and how to incorporate adaptive athletes so that that portion is open to everyone and then we would love for the community to come and uh, watch our track meet as our athletes compete at the end. Where of the will day. the track meet be, and when does it start? So the it will be at Houghton High School. Okay. And the track meet itself will start at two p.m. Two o'clock, and you'll have a number of different events. And uh, we're going to have because this is a mini meet, um, and all these athletes are just learning. We have limited events, but we'll do the one hundred, the two hundred, the four hundred, and shot put. John Vallee, if uh, Maria was on the program, what would she be saying at this point to some of these young athletes in terms of encouraging them to get involved in this? Well, I think she'd say that 
um, you know, people just need to try it. So a lot of these kids have not had an opportunity to try a sport, and they just don't even realize that they can do it. And, um, you know, she gets a lot of enjoyment out of it, and it helps her just, like you said, in, in her community, meet, meet her community, and um, helps her physically and mentally. And um, everybody can be an athlete. It doesn't matter if you're in a wheelchair or you wear braces on your legs or you don't need those things, right? Everybody can be an athlete, and it's a lot of fun, and, and um, she just, I think, really wants everybody to have that opportunity. Do people not realize that you do sled hockey all winter here? It has been an amazing activity, and each we have opportunities for community members to participate in sled hockey along with people with physical disabilities so we had families play hockey together and that brought us so much it was so amazing to watch people bringing their grandchildren or their nephews and nieces and my son and I played um my son also has a physical disability and um it was so much fun to compete with my my kid and he thrived in sled hockey and he did an amazing job and I was pretty terrible to be honest <laughs> I finally scored a goal which we all it thought does, was it right? but but it's not the point it's not the point no it was fun and it's, my kid and I had an amazing time together we've got to wrap this up here but I want to get information out if somebody would like to first of all find out more about this they've got a uh, uh, potential use for some of this equipment themselves or a family member or if they would like to reach out and support this effort how do they do that they can email us at equipmentloansforkids at gmail.com we have a website if you google equipment loans of the Kiwana. Uh we also have a facebook page all right. And if you'd like to know more about the Upper uh, Upper Peninsula Invitational that we were talking about coming up on Saturday, go to our QNRReport.com community calendar. We have information and a link posted there. John Vallee, thank you for joining us by phone. Thank you. And Jen Schoed and Monica Ajo, thank you for joining me in the studio. Thanks for having thank us. For having best us. wishes with the, the continuing effort that you're making to make sure that everybody is included. And Copper Country Today will be back in just a moment.